So thankful to be together today. Thank you for coming to church today. And if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to Acts 4. Acts 4. And I encourage you to bring your Bible. And if you didn't bring your Bible, we have Bibles right around you if you want to grab one. And today we're going to look at a story in our legend. It's our last one in our legend series where we're looking at these life-changing moments. And today I want to look in Acts uh, 4. And in fact, this is a part of a larger story. And I'm just going to use one verse so that we can focus and try to really dig out what I believe God would have for us today. So the one verse is verse 13 in chapter 4. Acts 4, verse 13. Now, y'all know that usually I break all the rules with the preaching classes and all that stuff by reading too much Scripture to a lot of people. They think I... So today, I'm going to read one verse in the hopes that we would really get it, all right? Verse 13 in chapter 4. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. Uneducated common men. That was not a compliment. Uh, So here's what we have. The Jewish leaders were astonished by the boldness of these guys. They weren't impressed with their background at all. And they realized that they had been with Jesus. But how did they know this? I mean, you think about it. It wasn't their education. They had no religious training or anything. It wasn't their credentials. They didn't have any. And it wasn't their religious pedigree. They didn't have one. It was the spirit-filled boldness that was born out of knowing Jesus. That was it. I mean, consider the context of all of this. Peter and John have just healed a crippled man at the temple. That's chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. Do y'all remember that story when Peter and John say, silver and gold have I none? But remember that? That's that healing. And then a crowd gathers around and Peter seizes the moment to preach a gospel message, which is phenomenal. That's chapter 3, verses 11 through 26. Then, after they are arrested and thrown in jail, Peter addresses the religious leaders. That's chapter 4, verses 1 through 12. And so we end up here in 13. And you have to remember one key fact when you think about this story that they are standing in front of the people who had conspired to kill Jesus just weeks earlier. I mean, it's at least a little bit of credit that they didn't back down here. I mean, he, he clearly here identifies their guilt and God's declaration concerning his son. Verse 10, if you just go back a few verses in verse 10, he says, Jesus who you crucified. And then in verse 10, he says, Jesus, whom God raised up. 
I mean, he concludes in verse 12, just the verse before we read, there is salvation in no one else. And there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. It has been said that a crisis has never made a man. It only reveals what he already is. And in this case, the crisis of their arrest reveals the truth about Peter and John. And the religious leaders couldn't figure them out. They couldn't deny the healing that had happened and they couldn't deny the boldness that they had. How can you explain these men, these uneducated, ordinary guys? Why, Why are they not intimidated when they're arrested? Think about that. How, what was their secret? What was the religious leaders, once they considered all the facts, and they came up with one conclusion, and that was they had been with Jesus. Now, there's no more important thing that I'm going to talk about than that today, that one thing, and that is that the religious leaders couldn't explain them, but they had been with Jesus. All around us, there is every sign of shrinking and diminishing impact of Christianity in our culture and even around the world. We bemoan the the advance of secularism in our culture and crumpling social institutions that have stood for thousands of years. And we wonder why Christians have lost our influence And I think it comes down to this one thing right here. These early Christians turned the world upside down because they had a life-changing encounter with Jesus Christ. And they were not the same as what they had been after. They had seen the risen Lord. It was all different. That one fact explains the boldness of the first generation in the face of the Roman Empire and even amongst the Jewish population. It was not, it was more than just knowledge is what I'm saying to you today. It was more than just a few prayers. It was more than just some formulas about what you do. It was more than religion as hobby. It was something that produced a dynamic power that transformed ordinary men into bold witnesses for Christ. And it shows us, I mean, you can, I mean, there's a difference here. There's a difference between being around Jesus and being with Jesus. There's a difference between being around Christians and being with Jesus. There's a difference between being around Christian events and being with Jesus. There's a difference between being at church and being with Jesus. It's a difference. The disciples had been with Jesus and they knew him intimately and they were changed. That changed everything. Even their enemies could see the difference that Christ had made in their lives. It's like they couldn't explain them, but they at least, it's like they were saying, we don't know 
really how to explain you. Now, we are not told by Peter and John that they said, we have been with Jesus. We're not told by Peter. Now, they could have said that, they, they, and it would not even be boasting, and it would be true, but they didn't say it. The Jewish leaders were, were not impressed by Peter and John, but they were in for a really big surprise. Remember that Peter and John, listen, they were not looking for a confrontation. They're on their way to the temple to pray. That's all. They're not looking for a confrontation. They were not going to perform a healing. They were not even going there to preach and certainly not to get themselves arrested. That was not the agenda for the day. It was just ordinary obedience for them on their way. And here's what happens when honorable men do the right thing. And sometimes that gets you in trouble. If they were going, they, they were doing what Christians should always be doing, and they were ready to give an answer. Do you remember? First Peter chapter 3, verse 15 says that we are to be ready to give an answer for the hope that is within us. So they gave an answer and it got them into trouble. All the way back in verse two in chapter four, even pinpoints the exact issue. The Jewish leaders were greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. What got them in trouble? They simply told the truth. You crucified Jesus God raised him from the dead. It's a two-point sermon. That's it, right there. You crucified Jesus. God raised him from the dead. And that is bold. That is powerful. That's courageous. And here's the response. Verse 4, when they told the truth, many of those who had heard the word believed, and the number of the men came to about five thousand. So look at the sequence of events. Look at these se the sequence of events. First of all, is there, there's first obedience. That's the first thing that happens. There's obedience in the story. They are obedient to go to what God to pray. Secondly, then there was a miracle that happened. On their way, they found a man who approached them and they said, silver and gold have I none. And then because of that miracle, people are coming around. And so they just, they just give an account and talk about Jesus. And so they preach. And because they preach and had the guts to say something, thousands of people get saved. Well, because thousands of people get saved, they're thrown in jail. Thank you. And guess what they get to do? They get to speak to the religious leaders. And their boldness was under pressure because they are talking to the people who are responsible, who are the ones that were conspired to crucify Jesus. No wonder their enemies said these men have been with Jesus. Shaky Peter has now become a rock. Though the leaders hated what Peter said, they could not deny, deny what Christ had done in him. And there's no higher compliment for a child of God than to say, I don't believe in God, but I can't explain you. 
So what makes marks someone who has been with Jesus? What is it? And I just want to, in the time we have left, I want to talk about this. What are the marks of someone who has been with Jesus? What is it? Obviously, we want Jesus to rub off. It's like, I want to be more like that. I've been coming to church. I want to be more the way, like Peter and John, I want to, I want to have that transformation. I, I, what is it that marks someone who has been with Jesus? And you know, I always said in student ministry, all the years of my student ministry, I always said we want students who look and act like Jesus. But a lot of students are like, well, I, I, I don't know how to do that. Well, I, want, I, I, I would tell you to look no farther than John, the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 14. Many of you know it, maybe from Christmas time you hear it, but it's a great verse that really encapsulates who Jesus is. You see, Jesus, the Word, became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. And, I, and I, it's all beautiful, but that last phrase is what I want you to focus in on. Jesus was full of grace and truth. You see, today when I am talking to you, I, I, I ponder, I think about this. I, I'm drawn to the fact that Jesus was full of both of them. Anyone can be truthful some of the time. Anyone can be loving and full of grace some of the time. But all the time? Mm -mm. So many of us, we even think like this with our kids. We think of it as like, well, that's time to lay down the hammer. It's time for some truth right now. And we kind of put the grace on the back border. We're going we're gonna to bring some truth right now. Or we're going to be, oh, and it's time for me to love them. I got to ease up on them a little bit. Jesus never had to decide. He was always full of grace and truth. He spoke the truth with grace, and he showed grace in truth. Jesus never had to choose between the two of them. Those who follow him will have, people who follow Jesus will have grace and truth rub off on them. That points to a life marked by what? Humility and honesty and approachability and kindness under this pressure and truth-telling even when it's easier to not tell the truth. A life like this carries the aroma of heaven. You ever known anybody that kind of smells like heaven a little bit when they walk in? I was with a friend of mine when my, when, when, uh, my pastor, Bob Yaberg, was expected, and when he walked in, he was saying hey to a few people. And I was with my friend, and he leaned over, and he said, you know, it, I just feel a little closer to heaven every time he walks in. And that's so true. Have you ever known anybody like that, that you're around them? It's as if they have the scent of heaven. This isn't a comment. Listen, this isn't a comment about pious faces. This is not about solemn demeanor. It's not about a holy voice who speaks that way, if I could speak that way. It's about a woman who are filled, men and women who are filled with grace and truth. People who speak and act 
and talk like they're closer to the Lord than the rest of us. A man and woman who's filled with grace and truth draws you closer to the Lord, whether you are talking or listening, whether you are laughing or crying, whether you're standing or sitting, or whether you're following or leading. So how do you develop this? How do you get this more, more uh, grace and truth in your life? How do you do that? And I've thought about this a lot. I, I, I'm going to tell you, first of all, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Scripture is clear. We, we ground our faith in the truth of God, inspired by the Holy Spirit and directed by the Holy Spirit and empowered by the Holy Spirit is how God changes us. But I want to say there are two things that I have seen in life that most people have built up a wall and have, are not open to growing in grace and truth because it takes two things. One is pain and the second is people. Pain and people. This sort of life comes mostly through listening and growing through pain because we live in a fallen world where the rain falls on the just and the unjust. And there are many times when things happen in life and when something bad happens, many people turn away from God and not towards him. And many people are resistant to others speaking truth into their life. I'm not gonna get into it. I've preached on the three kinds of people in the world. There's wise there's foolish and there's evil. And people who are wise, when you speak to them, they say, yeah. And even if you admonish them or correct them, they go, yeah, man, I need it. Give me more, give me more. Foolish people are like, well, it's your fault. You're too mean. Evil people, you're inviting harm when you speak to them. The reason I'm saying this to you today is for you to be open. As I think about Christians, I think about Job chapter 23, verse 10. The best Christians I know are proved in the truth. Look at verse 10. He knows the way that I take. When he has tried me, I will come forth as gold. The trials of Job, the one who suffered what we consider in the Bible unjustly, and he says, how is it that I am developed into what God wants me to be? Most people don't like that last part of the sentence. I will come forth as gold when he has tried me. When he has tried me in pain. Charles Spurgeon, many years ago, said this line. He said, any fool can sing in the sunlight. That sounds like a silly little saying, and it is old. Here's the thing. What he's saying is, when everything's going great, it's beautiful out, you've got all the blessings of life, and there's no suffering, and everything's great, anybody can go out and sing and just say how great life is. What will you do if you lose your job? When your son is in jail, what do you do? When your marriage is in trouble, 
when people don't treat you the way that's right. When cancer or some diagnosis happens, when your best friend betrays you, what will you do? What will you do? So much of our refining comes through trials. And so how is it developed? How is this grace and truth developed? It's as we live our life. We grow, we turn towards God, not away. Look at Peter and John. They're the ones that were the one part of the whole crew that diminished in the shadows when Jesus was being crucified. But because they had seen the risen Lord, they were different and changed. They had been with Jesus. So where do we begin? How is it? Where should we begin in developing this? What do you do to start this, to launch this? How is it that I become more like Jesus? If I, if I, wanna, if I want to, to be a person full of grace and truth, and I want to be like Peter and John who are obedient, just, hey man, I'm just, a, Jesus was crucified, now he's raised from the dead. I've been with Jesus. If you want to, how do you begin that? There's an old preacher a long ago who said, if I want to be more Christ-like, if you want to be more like Jesus, we must seek more of the Spirit of God. The best advice I can give to you is seek more of the Spirit of God, for this is the way to become Christ-like. Listen, vain are all your attempts to be like him till you have sought his Spirit, his power. So take your heart, not cold as it is, not stony as it is by nature, but put it into the furnace. There let it be hot and molten, and after it can be turned like wax to the seal and fashioned into the image of Jesus Christ. If you want to be more like Christ, we must seek the Spirit of God to fall fresh on us so that we would surrender to Christ. Listen to me, we will not become more Christ-like by accident. It will not be for us just hoping something happens. And another thing is, it does, it does happen. It, does not, it doesn't happen by osmosis or hanging around church or going through religious motions. I just wanna encourage you, it's because we are intentionally looking in our life towards the Lord and seeking his spirit. So as I was kind of preparing this message, I thought about this. There's an old gospel song called Breathe On Me. And I want us to take a deep breath and I want you to quiet your heart and I want you to actively invite, listen, the spirit of God to breathe on you. According to the word, Ask God to breathe new life in you today. Father, I today, I know everybody here has come here with a different story and a different, from different places, Lord. And some are calloused and some are broken. So now, Lord, forgive us for going our own way, for trusting in other things, for trying to make a name for ourselves 
apart from you, Lord. I pray, Lord, today that you'd help us to focus on you. And Lord, we invite you by your spirit to breathe on us. And we pray that you would do that today. Empower us to be more like you. Help us. Help us today, Lord. May it not be that we leave this place and people can't even tell the difference. Help us, Lord.